Are you tired of being told what to think and how to act? Well, you are not alone. In case you haven't realized it, you have an internal GPS. It knows all you need to know about how to live your life. So it's about time you stopped letting the media and the government tell you what is true for you. In fact, it is exactly that time. It's time to think for yourself. And here to make sure you're doing just that is your host, mediator, author, and lawyer, Carol Gold. Hi, it's Sunday, November 20th. I'm Carol Gold, and welcome to Think for Yourself. Let me just take a moment as I start off tonight's podcast and say that going forward, I will be podcasting every Sunday night. In the past, I've podcast during the week, and occasionally I may record another podcast in the middle of the week. But for now, I want you to be able to rely on that every Sunday evening, there will be a new podcast. This is an interesting podcast to me. Of course, I'm somewhat biased because I'm creating it. But it's interesting to me because I had a couple of experiences in the last three, four days that weave together an interesting picture And more than that, they allowed me to put everything into perspective that we're all going through now. And because I think we all need that, I want to share with you what happened and why I've drawn the conclusion that I have. So the first thing is I watched the Jewish Republican Coalition Convention, their annual convention, and they had lots of Uh, political speakers throughout the couple days of the convention. And on the last day, which is the only day I happened to take a look at this, and the reason was that it was actually replayed. I was watching it on YouTube. I wasn't watching it live. But I listened to three different speakers. I listened to Chris Christie, governor of New Jersey. I listened to Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida. And I listened to Donald Trump our ex-president. These were fascinating speeches, each in their own way. And I want to share with you what I took away from each one of them. From Chris Christie, I was surprised at his, I was surprised at how engaging he is. He's an excellent speaker, very comfortable, very natural. And his speech had only one purpose. And that purpose was to say that the Republican Party isn't about one person. And then when you make it about one person, you in essence rob the, I guess, the power and the cohesion and the goals of a Republican Party because it becomes in a way very narcissistic about one person. And of course, the one person he was talking about was Donald Trump. And he wasn't mystical about referring to Trump. He was flat out stating that that's what he was doing. And he prefaced it all by saying that in 2016, he ran Trump's election campaign. I think 16, maybe it was the re-election campaign in 20. I think it might have been the re-election campaign. But regardless, he was a strong supporter of President Trump's before he was President Trump and while he was running for office. And Christie was making the point that he was lockstep standing by Donald Trump until about two o'clock in the morning on election day of 2020, 
when Trump went on Twitter and said the election had been stolen. At that moment, Christie said he was done. And he was done because it was, in essence, in his view, not only lack of grace, but it was undermining the peaceful transition of power that this country has been familiar with, is noted for, and is unique in the world. I was listening to him. I'm not a fan of Chris Christie's, and I'm certainly not a fan politically of some of what he has done and the choices that he has made. But I was interested in his perspective, and it gave me something to think about. Christie was followed by Ron DeSantis. Again, Ron DeSantis was someone who had a definite mission with his speech, and he was, like Christie, not shy about it. And what DeSantis was fundamentally doing was recapping for the listening audience, either those live or those who would later watch as I did the YouTube replay, the success that he's had in the state of Florida in almost every area, witnessed by what just happened in the 2022 midterms. The Republicans really swept Florida. DeSantis won by tremendous margins everywhere and everything he touched. And he spoke not only about the win, but he spoke about every area in which he had stood by his constituents, the people of Florida. He talked about the reaction to the hurricane and how in a matter of days they had that bridge linking Sanibel Island back to the mainland and the other bridge, I forget the name of, that was in in a matter, I think three days, they had that bridge up and running. He talked about the 42,000 emergency workers that were ready before the storm even hit. He talked about search and rescue. He talked about what happened with him and Disney and how he stood up to the woke corporate culture. He talked about what they're doing in their schools. He went on and on about the successes of Florida and how, as he likes to say, Florida is where woke comes to die. So this was in many ways a perfectly warranted, I mean, he did accomplish all of this, including winning counties like Palm Beach County and Miami-Dade that were not historically Republican and won by tremendous margins. He was right in doing that. He earned it. It's his victory lap to take. But he was also, I believe, saying that this is the path for the country, that Florida is the example. And in essence, without saying it, he was saying... I can do for the country what I've done for Florida. Although he never went there and he never said that, it was the unspoken message. So Christie had a message, which was that he feels Donald Trump is a drain and a plague at this point upon the Republican Party. And DeSantis had a message, which was that I did this, I accomplished this, I'm capable of this, I'm standing for all the right constitutional issues, which is a point he was making as well, that everything he does and stands for is in support of what the Constitution intends us as a nation to live by. He's not quite as relaxed of a speaker as Christie is, but he's engaging and he's confident And he's an interesting speaker. 
and he has a sense of humor and he has a personal side that he lets be shown when he talks about his wife or his children. Third speaker was Donald Trump. There's a lot of history in knowing how Donald Trump presents, right? There's a, he's, he's got a definite way of showing up. He was more subdued than he normally has been historically. And I think that's part of his approach to his now new campaign for re-election because he was that way during his announcement from Mar-a-Lago last week. He's much more subdued. There's, you can tell that he has a sort of a, a lid on himself. What he wasn't able to do was to answer the questions that the two moderators had, had asked him after Trump had an introductory speech of his own to give, then two moderators asked a few questions. He, Trump, somehow, in the answer to every question, went back to what he had done and who he was and, and how things had not happened above board. And in a sense, he was referring to a lost election. I think he actually did say rigged at one point. When he was asked about the future, when they kept trying to take him, okay, so how would you change that in the future? Or what would you do with Iran in the future? Or what would you do about the economy in the future? He wasn't really able to articulate a future vision other than to say, well, we, you know, we do it again. I do it again, maybe with different people, but I do it again or with some of the same people, but a lot of new people. And I would do it again. I listened to these three different individuals and I walked away with it thinking how important it really is to think for ourselves because if I wasn't thinking for myself, I might have silenced the Chris Christie presentation because politically I'm not where he is. But I like to have information and I like to think for myself. And so I watched all three of them and there was a marked difference in all three of them. None of them were absolutely perfect. They each had their strengths and they each had their weaknesses, but it allowed me to form my own opinions about all three of them. I want to add something that I didn't start off by saying, and that is on the same day at the same convention or coalitions convention, they also did a live interview with Bibi Netanyahu, the newly reelected prime minister of Israel. And that was a really fascinating, fascinating interview. And I would encourage anyone who has any interest in the Middle East or in Israel in particular, or in Netanyahu, whether you have a negative or a positive view of him, I would encourage you to go on YouTube and listen to the interview from the Jewish Republican coalition of Netanyahu for the following reason. He has, in many ways, an international reputation, not unlike Donald Trump's to some extent, that he's egotistical and he's, he's self-focused and he's out for himself and he had a corruption trial in Israel and on and on. This was a stunning interview because Netanyahu has recently written a book called Bibi, My Story. Bibi is his nickname, and he, explained why in, in, he explains why in the book. It's not important for our purposes here. 
He's written a book called My Story, and his life and his ancestor's life, his father and his grandfather and even his great-grandfather, these are remarkable stories. And his brother, who died a hero in one of the most remarkable rescue attempts that Israel or almost any country in the world has ever attempted and pulled off, his brother died in that raid to rescue Americans and Europeans who had been hijacked and taken to Entebbe, hijacked by, uh, by Arabs and taken to Entebbe. Netanyahu was humble, focused, factual, forward-looking, secure, steadfast in his principles. And he had in his eyes, which you can see if you watch it, a determination, a certainty, a focus, and I would add a humility that is very rare. I think the interview is a real insight into who this man is, why he's been reelected so many times, and why I really believe that he has brought Israel, the state of Israel, to the condition that it's in today, the technological and economic and military strength that it shows the world and that is a major factor in having reached the Abraham Accords. And he talks about that in this particular interview. So there were four public figures with remarkably different presentations, agendas, and impressions, I would say, that were left if you watched it with an open mind, if you didn't go into it, you know, anti-Trump or pro-Trump, if you didn't go into it hating Chris Christie because he's a rhino or not. If you went into it because DeSantis you think is egotistical like Trump and you don't have any interest in what his politics are. Or if you don't like Bibi Netanyahu, if you're maybe anti, even anti-Semitic, or as I like to say now, the new expression is anti-Zionist, which is the same thing. It's just a repackaging. Whatever it is, if you would watch these interviews, and if none other than the Netanyahu interview, and think for yourself, I think you'll walk away a more enlightened person. And then I want to share one other interview, and then I want to sum all this up with something that has nothing to do with those interviews. Today, I watched Tucker Carlson being interviewed by Janice uh, Dean. This too is an absolutely fascinating interview because I learned things about Tucker Carlson that were shocking, that he's extremely dyslexic, that he doesn't have a television in his home where he and his wife and four children live, that he is incredibly private, that he has no friends in the industry, that he's a guy who's very self-assured in himself because he grew up with a learning deficit. And it, too, is a remarkable interview because there is a feeling of truthfulness that comes from that interview that is a shocking, for me, insight into who Tucker Carlson is, why he does what he does, and how he does it. Now, having shared all that with you, here's what I think is the most important part. Over the last few days, I've watched a series on Netflix called Ancient Apocalypse. It is narrated by Graham Hancock. If you don't know who he is, 
He is a British journalist and writer who, if you look him up on Wikipedia, it will say that he's a pseudoscientist, meaning he's a fake. Watch the series for yourself. Because Graham Hancock has a theory, and he has traveled the world and archaeological sites, some of which I never even knew existed, that are spectacular until I watched this series. He has traveled the globe to weave together a scenario, a story, a timeline of what he believes is our history. And what that is, is that there was a highly advanced civilization on the planet long before the Egyptians and the evolution that took place in the Mesopotamia, in what we call the Fertile Crescent, which is where we're taught our civilization really began and certainly began to um, emerge as, as from hunter-gatherers to farmers and agrarian. He's talking about 12,500 years ago, 10,000 BC roughly, I think 10,600 BC, when what was called the, oh, I can't, oh, I'm not going to remember it for the show. It's an, it's a, an, an era, an epoch in archaeology and in our history, the, dy- the driest, the dry, uh, I, I'm sorry, I won't remember it. I'll try to before the podcast is over. But it was the Ice Age. It was the Ice Age and then the end of the Ice Age and then the beginning of the recovery from the Ice Age. And he goes all the way back. He's in Turkey. He's in the Middle East. He's in the United States. He's in Mexico. He, he goes to all these places where there are, as I said, these absolutely stunning and remarkable megalithic structures that stand just giant on our Earth's surface that have been excavated. And he weaves together through carbon dating and analysis of layers of the Earth, the graphics and the pictorial remnants that have been left carved in stone at these various points, at these various places in various times in history that paint a picture that humanity was pretty much wiped out. And this whole narrative actually is the narrative of sort of the Noah story, the Great Flood, that later emerges as a mythological or religious story in cultures and religions all around the world. And this advanced civilization, I'm talking advanced with mechanical and architectural abilities that will boggle your mind, that they were just about wiped out. And the few who survived traversed what was left of civilization and began to teach it again how to basically reconstruct or move forward again on a planet that had been impacted by the debris of either one or more comets that struck the earth, and how we are in a, today, passing through, astronomy-wise, through our galaxy, we're passing through the same configuration that it could happen again. The reason that I end with this is, we're all caught up in the politics, we're all caught up in the economy, we're all caught up in all this stuff that we're 24-7 fed, force-fed, We can't get away from it, thanks to the technology. And the irony is, and maybe it's not irony, maybe it's just a fact that we need to face, is that 
if you watch ancient apocalypse and you look at what humanity has been through and that it could happen again, all of that goes into perspective and it becomes so small and unimportant. And what really seems important at that point, once all of that fades into the background, is the relationships we have, the joy we have, the love we share, the personal creativity we're able to experience and manifest in our own lives, and the very local nature of the people who are around us in our families, in our communities, and in our, yeah, I would just keep it really local. I want to stop there, in our families, in our communities, and of course our friendships. Of course our friendships, because for many of us, friendships become family. It was a juxtaposition of priorities that put everything into perspective. And so I guess I want to leave you with this. If you're still struggling with what seems like these monumental issues of Republicans versus Democrats and the economy and foreign policy and is it going to be Trump or is it going to be DeSantis or is Biden going to run again or drop dead before then? Is it going to be Kamala Harris? What is the new Republican Congress going to do? What is the Senate going to do to obstruct that? You know what? If that's something you're actually still wrestling with, watch eight episodes maybe there's nine, of ancient apocalypse. And I assure you that all of that, all of that force-fed political garbage will fade into the background and suddenly your life will come into crystal clear focus. Thanks for listening. I'm Carol Gold. I'll be back here again next Sunday. And until then, by all means, think for yourself. Carol thanks you for spending your valuable time with her. It is her mission to empower you to remember how smart and capable you are. Be sure to check out Carol's website, carolgold.com. That's carol with an E, gold.com. Please leave a review and subscribe here so you'll be alerted to Carol's next podcast. Until then, above all else, remember, it's time to think for yourself.